0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Hiawatha Church. Merry Christmas to you all. My name's Chris Wachter. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for coming, especially for visiting tonight with family or just walked in. We're glad glad you guys are here. Uh, We are going to, our services on Christmas Eve are are pretty carol-driven, so we'll uh, get back into that in just a minute, and cookies afterwards as well, so stick around for that. Uh, Before we get back into that, though, I want to uh, walk us through a few uh, lyrics of a Christmas song that we sing here called, uh, Come and Stand Amazed. Uh, we sang it last Sunday. If you're here for that, and will again tonight. Uh, but the big idea to this being um, to understand a song's lyrics is maybe to better appreciate the song. So there's there's always that. But also in this case, to better appreciate the theology in it and how otherwise commonplace nativity terminology can kind of speak beyond itself uh, to something even more grandiose, uh, namely Christ's death and resurrection. So many of you know this, we make a point of saying this every Christmas and throughout the year, that the New Testament did not really begin at the manger, but at the cross. And so although the manger is a sign of the inbreaking of the new and the good news that God became man to become like us, to save us, it isn't the essence of the new at the same time. And so when it comes to Christmas carols, uh, music appreciation, melodic appreciation may may, may be subjective and is subjective, but theology shouldn't be. Uh, and so, amongst the pantheon of carols, uh, then sometimes there's a difference in luster when it comes to them. Not all of them shine as brightly, uh, nor nor should they. But uh, "Come and Stand Amazed" uh, is one of the the good ones, in my humble opinion. Uh, it's very forward looking in, in all the right ways. So let's look at some of the lyrics tonight and make uh, a few connect- just make a few connections with uh, the gospel on the, along the way. So. Uh, The song begins with these first uh, two verses, which are, uh, Come and stand amazed, you people. See how God is reconciled. See his plans of love accomplished. See his gift, this newborn child. See the mighty, weak, and tender. See the word who now is mute. See the sovereign without splendor. See the fullness destitute. So, uh, the song starts then with a hint of promise and reconciliation and love. You can see in the first uh, few lines. We know that... um, we talked about this last Sunday for, from Matthew 1. Because Jesus' name was Jesus, which is uh, the Greek uh, form of the Hebrew Joshua, which means the Lord saves, the angel says that he came to save people not generically, but specifically from their sins and relatedly to reconcile us as God's enemies to God. Uh, Romans 5 says, "For it is, uh, For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Uh, It also talks about Jesus being a gift, which is something we maybe take for granted if you're a Christian. It's uh, kind of commonplace, but it shouldn't be. Uh, Because that is to say that Jesus is not a reward. He is a grace, not a law. Uh, In fact, going outside the song a little bit, the Bible makes a huge Christmas deal out of how he was born of the tribe of Judah and not Levi, which was the tribe of the law, and so his genealogical line coming through Joseph, coming from Judah, one of Jacob's sons, through the line of David. All of these names are genealogically significant, but they're also theologically because it meant that reconciliation was not based on our law-keeping ability. It's not based on your ability to keep God's commandments, but apart from that. That's the the line of Levi, but apart from it would be to say that salvation's apart from all of that. Judah's not Levi. Uh, He's apart from all of that. And so Jesus coming through that line signifies that now there is this one-way love from God coming into history uh, shown to sinners undeservedly, or you could say even scandalously. All right, so The second verse then here says, kind of gets at the how behind all of that. It says, see the mighty in a weak and tender state. So kind of holding those two things together. The mighty God has become weak. Uh, And also the word who is now wordless or mute. Uh, That that, that idea I like a lot too. It kind of reminds me of Silent Night uh, as well, which I know people like to kind of poke fun at sometimes and say, but was it really silent though? That baby was probably crying all night long. Uh, and, and the reality is there's some artistic license there, uh, right? The Bible never says Jesus was silent. Um, but muteness, muteness is different. Muteness means he couldn't talk yet. He was an infant. Uh, but that's where this starts to get interesting, if you, if you think about it, because on the spectrum of inconsequential to earth-shaking, uh, it doesn't really matter that much that the Word, or Jesus, the Word of God, became mute as an infant. Uh, it's interesting to think about Uh, for sure. It's almost an irony of sorts, which is kind of what I think lyrically the song's kind of playing on, but it doesn't serve as a significant part of the story. We might even say that it's not worshipful to, to me to think about the fact that the word became mute, or just historically that Jesus had moments of not crying. Like, that's not worshipful to me. But here's what is. Matthew twenty seven, thirteen to fourteen, when it says, Then Pilate asked Jesus, Do you not hear how many charges are being brought against you? But Jesus gave no answer, not even to a single charge, much to the governor's amazement. So you see, what's most important in the story is not infant Jesus' muteness, but the fact that grown up Jesus went like a lamb to the slaughter. Silent before his shears, like the prophecies of old forecasted, one of which is Isaiah 53 7, which tells us then of his willingness to save us. How Jesus didn't defend himself, didn't speak up and defend himself. How he could have, with a word, summoned legions of angels to his aid, but didn't. It, it screams the desire of God to save you and me. The desire of God that he wanted to save us. Otherwise, he would have spoken. The word would have worded, but he was mute in that moment. He chose not to speak so he could be crucified among criminals to save us. Another way to say it would be Christmas muteness points to Good Friday muteness. Uh, the, The silent night pointed to a silent lamb, led to the slaughter, willingly slaughtered in our place, for our sin was big, but his grace and love were much, much bigger. Praise God. So let's keep going. The the next two verses are, or two more verses are, um, uh, are these right here. See how humankind received him. See him wrapped in swaddling bands, who as Lord of all creation rules the wind by his commands. See him lying in a manger without sign of reasoning, word of flesh, word of God to flesh surrendered his wisdom's, he is wisdom's crown, our king. All right, so I, this is interesting too, because you could apply a similar line of thinking to some of this and ask, uh, why do we sing of Jesus being wrapped in swaddling bands or swaddling cloths? Uh, in one sense, we're just singing history, right? Uh, Luke 2.12 says, uh, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, I think the angel says to the, uh, to the shepherds there. So this, will, this is what you'll see. You'll see a baby wrapped up. Uh, but to apply that similar way of thinking to what we were talking about before with, with the Word of God's muteness, uh, there was another time uh, that Jesus would be wrapped up as well. Uh, this time, later in the story, when we keep reading, we see it's, it's not with swaddling cloths, but with a linen shroud after he died. Uh, Luke twenty-three fifty-three says, Then they wrapped Jesus' body in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb, cut in stone, where no one had ever been laid. And, and that's how, Jesus's, um, how his swaddling cloths, when he was born, became like a prophetic sign. Uh, a pointer, and not just history. Uh, It was a sign of a future wrapping, a much greater wrapping. The one who was laid in a wooden manger would one day be laid on a wooden cross, crucified for us, and then taken down, wrapped up like he was when he was born. You could say he was wrapped up with our sins. Uh, The the cleft rock of ages was buried in a tomb made of cleft rock, uh, buried to carry our sins far away like the scapegoats of old. All right, then the song ends with, with these uh, kind of like, it's kind of a call to worship, a summary. Light of life, dispel my darkness. Let your frailty strengthen me. Let your meekness give me boldness. Let your burden set me free. O Emmanuel, my Savior, let your death be life for me. And um, lots to say about this too, but I'll just say uh, summarizing what we've been talking about, that it's, it's only the fact that Jesus' birth led to something better that can elicit this kind of response in a carol, right? It's only with the cross in mind that, that, that his frailty at birth leads us not simply to a lesson of meekness for us to follow, but to worship his frailty at Calvary when he became frail on the cross, when he became breakable. The unbreakable God took on human flesh to become broken for you and me. This frailty at birth being a sign of the latter. It's only with Savior Jesus in mind that Emmanuel Jesus, which means God with us, Emmanuel Jesus is good news and not a crushing burden to bear or an obstacle to surmount. I think what, what this song helps us to remember uh, is that the Bible teaches us that Christianity is not a shared burden. Uh, it's not something that Jesus says, I'll, I'll do half the burden if you help me out or I'll help you if you help yourself. Uh, it's not what you see. It, it is much more substitutionary. Uh, Christmas is not about his burden leading to our burden as if it was a baton passing or something like that, um, but to our freedom, right? Uh, it, his burden led to the opposite of burden of burden for us. And that's what it says, that Jesus bears The burden of salvation is on his shoulders. He bore it uh, for you and me, 100%. Uh, Not simply at your conversion, but every day throughout your life. If you're a Christian, you you stay saved based on him bearing the burden for keeping you in the faith. It's not up to you to all of a sudden pay him back with your amazing life. The burden of salvation for the non-Christian and the Christian... Pre-conversion, conversion, and post-conversion is 100% on Jesus. Did you guys know this? It's true. The song sings it. The Bible proclaims it. It's entirely his work. He was crucified not to get you halfway, but to get you in, to open up the gates of salvation for you and me, wrapped up at his birth to point to his wrapping in his burial, cleft, cut, and, uh, and silenced. So he would be like that lamb to the slaughter who would bleed for, for you and me. Um, Matthew 11 gets at this where Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. I mean, if that's you, um, Jesus invites you, right? He says, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my, I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. In Galatians 5, it's for freedom Christ has set you free. There's nothing else to do except to believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and to walk in freedom and relationship with him throughout your days and, and into, into eternity. Let me pray for us and invite the band back up and we'll, we'll keep singing tonight. Uh, Jesus, thank you for your, your word to us. Uh, m- much more than the song is uh, the truth that you, Jesus, were born in a way that would resemble your death. Uh, laid on wood, silent, and wrapped up in swaddling cloths. All those things you would experience later uh, in a much greater way to, to instigate our salvation, to accomplish it, to say it's finished, uh, to die as a human being in our place. Uh, Jesus, we uh, hail you as our king. You are God's son come into the world to become like us, to advocate for us, to die as a sinner even though you weren't a sinner, to become sin, the Bible says, even though you knew no sin were perfect. Uh, to die as a lamb led to the slaughter like the prophecies of old predicted and foresaw. You completed them and fulfilled all of them, even the many prophecies uh, that surrounded the nativity uh, in visual form uh, would. So God, help us to sing tonight, to have a, a great Christmas with family, friends, uh, whatever our, our, our plans and evening take us, but we just pray for your nearness to us and that you would help us to gaze upon the cross through Christmas, uh, not just the manger.